You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with the amazing story of two women who survived a bear attack and the RCMP officers who came to their rescue. The attack near Dawson Creek left the victims with life-changing injuries. And Romina Dea spoke to one of the officers about the chilling call they received and what they found when they arrived at the scene. A disturbing 911 call from a cabin on Bear Mountain. The caller... Um had last seen uh, his mother's head in the bear's mouth. The thoughts running through your head is, this is what my job is and I'm gonna go save that person. RCMP Staff Sergeant Damon Werrell off duty on his way home from his kid's hockey practice when he gets the call. The two victims, Annalyn Shirtlift Bartolome and Leoset Cheng Kanoi, hiking with family when the black bear attacks on the popular ski trails near Dawson Creek. Werrell grabs his UTV, hunting rifle, and Constable Lucas Bielich. The clock ticking. It's now pitch black. The Mounties hunting for any sign of the two victims. It was pure luck, I think, that we turned onto the correct trail. About 30 or 40 yards up, I noticed a large blood pool on the trail. And it was at that time that I heard a voice about 10 feet to our left in the bush whisper out, help bear and we looked to the left and shot our flashlight and we viewed a large black bear on top of two people. The officers trying to scare the bear but it will not back down. We believe the bear to be guarding the bodies or the victims and that we had no choice but to shoot the bear. The injured animal gone. Another bear also spotted nearby. Werrell and Bielich quickly launch a rescue plan. I provided lethal overwatch uh, for the bear because we didn't know where it was. The Mounties deliver the critically injured victims to paramedics. Fundraising efforts continue for the women who remain in hospital. Doctors trying to save Annalyn's arm. It was her teen son who punched and beat the bear with a stick before running for help. Annalyn's dear friend, Leosette, threw herself on Annalyn to save her life. Leosette still in serious condition, but she has emerged from a coma. To all the first responders, hospital staff, and community, Annalyn's husband, Dean, says thank you. You've restored his faith in humanity. He tells us if it were not for the brave actions of the RCMP, his wife would not be alive. There's been a little bit of guilt that we've been carrying for sure for the last few days um, because we, I think we all wish that we could have been uh, there sooner. And uh, I guess the, the one, the one uh, regret that I have that I would pass on to the family is I'm sorry that we weren't faster. And, uh, but I don't, when I look back at it, I don't know how we could have been faster. We did, we did everything as quickly as we could, so. Romina Dea, Global News. Now a major and scary accident on the Ironworkers Bridge is causing lengthy traffic delays for the afternoon commute. Take a look at this. Thankfully, no one was hurt, but Vancouver police say a truck heading north lost part of its load, dropping a massive metal beam onto the bridge deck. The beam bounced off the concrete, then over the median and into oncoming traffic. It impaled the windshield of a vehicle, narrowly missing a young mother and her child. Officers transported the mother and child home. 
Police say it is possible the truck driver didn't even realize what happened. Now, even four hours later, as you can see from this live shot from Global One, traffic is still congested at this hour. If you can avoid this area, you should. Police are still trying to identify the truck driver and are asking anyone who has dash cam video of the incident to get in touch. A man accused of attacking a woman in Vancouver last month has appeared in court and is being held in custody pending his next appearance. As Kristen Robinson reports, the repeat offender's latest brush with the law brings back some troubling memories for another woman. Mohamed Bajidpour was remanded at a brief appearance in downtown community court Friday and will spend Thanksgiving weekend in jail. The 35-year-old is charged with assault with a weapon in a September 27th stranger attack. Vancouver police say a 19-year-old Asian student was attacked while walking downtown by a suspect who hit her over the back of the head with a pole and used a racial slur. First of all, my heart hurts enormously for her, but I'm not shocked. Majidpur was accused of stalking Jamie Coots through Chinatown last year in connection with this video of a man following her through the streets for more than half an hour. In September 2021, a criminal harassment charge against him was stayed. Hey, do you mind if I, guys, if I sit with you guys? This guy's literally been following me in circles yeah, that's cool. for like 40 minutes. Majidpur pleaded guilty to assault with a weapon, mischief, uttering threats and break and enter for unrelated incidents in Vancouver and Richmond last year. He was sentenced to one day in jail and 12 months probation. At the time, court heard he was a heroin addict and required treatment. I grew up here. It's not okay to not feel safe in a place that you were familiar with. The crime rate is absolutely skyrocketing. We need to do something about it. Majidpur has 30 convictions in B.C. since August 2015, including three for assault, five for assault with a weapon, and two for uttering threats. His most common sentence is one day in jail, followed by probation. And after 30 convictions or over 30 convictions in the last, I guess, seven years, I mean, like, it's a no-brainer to know that this individual needs help. Majidpur remains in custody for an overnight assessment with his next court appearance set for Tuesday. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police are on the lookout once again for a man charged in a brutal attack on two strangers outside a Vancouver hotel last spring. 37-year-old Kenneth Stephen Salawan was arrested in August, but has walked away from a residential treatment facility in Surrey. He's accused of attacking two people who were loading luggage into a taxi near Vancouver's Empress Hotel on the downtown east side June 19th. Salawan's whereabouts are unknown, but he is known to frequent Chinatown in the downtown east side. He's 5'9", 180 pounds with gray hair. If you see him, you are asked to call 911 immediately. And there's more. A man in Victoria has been seriously injured, hit with a hammer in what appears to be a random attack. It happened around 9.30 yesterday morning. Police were called to Pandora Avenue near Vancouver Street after reports of a man attacking another man from behind, striking his head with a hammer. The victim was taken to hospital for a significant but non-life-threatening injury. The suspect was arrested nearby but has been released until his next court date. Surrey RCMP are releasing new images of two suspects wanted in connection with the swarming of an RCMP officer. It happened in September. The officer's car was surrounded while he investigated a noise complaint. One man has been arrested and police are looking to speak with two others. Catherine Urquhart has the story. Morning. Morning. 
A confrontation is captured on video, appearing to show an RCMP officer being swarmed by a group of young men. It happened September 11th at Surrey's Strawberry Hill Business Plaza. The Mountie had been dispatched to investigate a noise complaint and issued a ticket, prompting an angry reaction from the crowd. Now police have made an arrest in connection with the incident and say the man is in Canada on a visitor visa. On October 4th, Surrey RCMP Community Response Unit arrested a 22-year-old man for intimidation of justice system participant and obstruction of peace officer. Police say they're looking to identify two others, both men in their mid to late 20s. Suspect one had a full beard, a blue turban and wore a light colored striped shirt. Suspect two had short black hair and short black beard. He was wearing a black t-shirt with a large white Puma logo. Both the individual that we are looking to identify, they are involved in the same incident and uh, we're hoping to identify them and speak with them. And we are investigating the intimidation of the justice system participant and obstruction of a peace officer. Police say neighborhood enforcement is ongoing as residents continue to have concerns about large gatherings, noise and fights. Night a little bit. Dangerous. For now, the arrested suspect's name isn't being released, as charges are yet to be approved. He has been released on conditions, including that he not attend the Strawberry Hill Business Plaza. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. New surveillance video shows the moment employees of a downtown Vancouver clothing store were bear sprayed during a robbery last Friday. Vancouver police say this woman is one of two suspects. Once inside the boutique on House Street near Helmkin, she briefly browses the store before picking up a purse. At the same time, a second suspect enters. The woman walks out with a purse as the male suspect bear sprays the employees and takes clothing from a rack. Anyone who recognizes the suspects is asked to call police. A new elector organization is running school trustee candidates in eight B.C. school districts. The group represents conservative Christian values, and critics are raising the alarm that the organization is pushing far-right views in education. Sarah McDonald has more. Depending on your district, you'll see a new political organization on your ballot this municipal election, backing school board candidates. It's called Parents Voice BC, with a platform drawing skepticism from critics, rooted largely in conservative Christian values. I think the underlying thing is, is this a, a, a secret cabal of freedom fighters who are trying to take over the school system? And, and the answer is definitely no. Fritz Redant is the campaign manager for the organization, which is endorsing 28 candidates in eight school districts. Redant and party founder, vocal anti-abortionist Mark Vela, both political activists with long-standing ties to the federal conservatives. That's, they're not hiding. We never ask anybody their stance on, you know, COVID issues. We never ask them what the religion was. But critics say some candidates running under the PVBC slate are hiding something. Socially conservative, far-right views surrounding issues like SOGI, gay and reproductive rights, and vaccine and mask mandates. I think that is problematic when you have somebody on a school board that's going to continue promoting those values. 
The group openly admits its candidates have been instructed to tidy their social media profiles of any information or views that could be detrimental or embarrassing. Though the public profile of candidate Teresa Docksetter still espouses anti-vaccine and anti-pandemic restriction messaging, along with candidate Sylvia Hurchin of Vernon. At least one other candidate spoke at a so-called Freedom Rally in Vancouver last year. We have candidates who have uh, children who are gay. Um, we have candidates who are pro-SOGI. The organization insists it stands for promoting community values, transparency and independence from special interest groups and government. But critics say that is a slippery slope. What could end up happening is that boards may have to look at their policies on anti-racism anti-homophobia, and how would you change those policies, right? You have to have those policies in place to protect children. With voters and parents of students set to decide on the makeup of their school boards, October 15th, Sarah McDonald, Global News. Health Canada approves another weapon in the fight against COVID-19. With the Pfizer bivalent booster becoming available, you now have two choices. How to make the right decision for, you, for yourself next on the NewsHour. I was uh, absolutely uh, devastated and shocked. The former chair of the Hockey Canada Board has been watching from B.C. His thoughts on the scandal that could take down the sport's biggest organization later. Also ahead tonight, a big job coming up for Phyllis and Elsie. The twin boring machines reach a milestone in Vancouver subway construction. Right now, though, Canada has a new tool in the fight against COVID-19. Ottawa has given the green light to Pfizer's new bivalent vaccine. It targets the two Omicron subvariants that make up nearly all of Canada's current COVID cases. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, the latest addition to the booster roster could cause some confusion for those wondering which shot to get. In the bottle, so. Move over, Moderna. A new vaccine has landed. Pfizer has been granted approval from Health Canada to offer its bivalent vaccine to Canadians. NACI now recommends that people 12 years of age and over who are eligible to get a booster dose this fall receive a bivalent vaccine. The fall booster campaign has depended so far on the original vaccines developed in 2020, as well as the recently approved Moderna bivalent vaccine. Pfizer's addition means the most common strains of COVID-19 can now be targeted. In addition to targeting the original strain of the virus, Moderna had specifically gone after the Omicron strain, particularly the subvariant BA1. Pfizer has gone after BA4 and BA5, which combined account for 97% of all cases. The new vaccine certainly welcome, but health officials say both will still give protection. Bivalent vaccines are expected to boost immunity against Omicron variants and broaden the repertoire of our immune response. Pfizer also has the advantage to have been approved for use in kids over the age of 12. Moderna only for people over 18. According to the provincial government, the Pfizer vaccine will start to arrive next week. 330,000 doses will be available, plus an additional 200,000 doses of Moderna. The federal government says there will be millions more Pfizer vials arriving in Canada before the end of fall. The FDA in the United States is recommending drug companies update their formulas to target the new strains. BC's health minister maintains there is decent protection from any of the vaccines currently approved for use. It's not the case that one is useful against BA4 and 5 and the other isn't. They both are. 
Wastewater samples indicate an uptick in the number of cases. Vaccines at this point, the last and only public health measure left to fight COVID-19. Aaron MacArthur, Global uh, News. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now to talk more about the boosters. Uh, Keith, obviously there's interest in these latest booster shots, mm -hmm. but BC's also hit a bit of a wall when it comes to boosters. Yeah, certainly the first booster we have hit a wall. We've hit a wall some months ago, and those numbers aren't uh, moving. Right now, pretty well every vaccination is the fourth dose for people. Uh, and again, here's the numbers as of yesterday in terms of where we're at. Almost a million people now have received four doses. That's 21% of the population. Three doses, this number has not moved for months, 61%. Two doses still there at 90%. Very good high number of people over the age 18. But we want to get those three doses numbers up. You can't get a fourth dose unless you get a third dose first. Health Minister Adrian Dix making the point that not only does getting a booster protect you, but people around you as well. It's important for people to get boosted. It makes everybody safer. And the outcomes, and this was laid out last week by Dr. Henry, the outcomes of vaccinated people are vastly better than the outcomes of vaccinated, unvaccinated people. And the outcomes of those who've been boosted are vastly better than those who haven't been boosted. So it's really important to get boosted. All right, uh, Keith, switching gears from COVID to politics. The BC NDP mm -hmm. has sent a letter to the BC Greens about a review of both parties' memberships. What is this about? Yeah, quite the letter here from the NDP to the Greens asking for a third party to review both memberships in terms of who's been signed up as party members since John Horgan just, uh, announced that he wasn't going to be seeking re-election. The concern is that many people have left the Green Party and they have, the NDP says they have evidence of this and have joined the NDP with the express purpose of electing climate activist Anjali Apadurai uh, and not David Eby. Basically a takeover of the party. Here's part of the letter uh, that's gone to the Green Party. It's saying our usual audit of our membership list before a leadership vote has revealed a significant number of current and former BC Greens applying for membership in the BC NDP. Uh, it goes on to say, uh, joining the NDP for the sole purpose of voting in a leadership election while retaining membership in the BC Greens or while on temporary hiatus is fraudulent. So this is fascinating. I suspect the Greens are going to say, no thanks, we want no part of this, because uh, by doing so, they would agree with the premise that many people have left the Greens to join the NDP. That would be embarrassing for the Greens. On the other hand, if they don't agree to this, look for the NDP to reject the memberships that have been signed up by the Apadari camp, um, perhaps even the EB camp, and only put the election in the hands of the 11,000 members that were there before uh, Mr. Horgan made his announcement. In any event, it would seem to imperil the future of the Apadari candidacy. Either her candidacy is going to be null and void, or the memberships will. And I think this, again, paves the way for David Eby to be the next Premier of BC. So much drama and intrigue for what once uh, looked like a <laughs> just yep. a coronation. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Just ahead, a rallying cry for Iran. How this song and social media combine for a powerful force in the fight for human rights. Also tonight, why the shortage of children's medicines won't be solved quickly. Another update on the volume situation over here on the North Shore, trying to access the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge. Uh, the update is it's still terrible. Don't come this way. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million, plus an estimated 56 Max Millions. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Iron Workers Memorial Bridge and Highway One in North Van. 
A major announcement from the Prime Minister today banning more than 10,000 members of Iran's Revolutionary Guard from this country for life. Justin Trudeau says it expands targeted sanctions imposed on Iran. The federal government says it will freeze and seize the assets belonging to sanctioned individuals. As part of the third and final step, Canada will expand its capacity to fight money laundering and illicit financial activity while cracking down on foreign interference. To the strong, resilient and proud Iranian-Canadian community, we hear your voices. We heard your calls for action. That is why today we're using the most powerful tools at our disposal to crack down on this brutal regime and the thousands upon thousands of individuals responsible for its heinous behavior. Our government will continue to pursue all the tools at our disposal, including Mednixi sanctions. Critics say the government's announcement falls short of listing the IRGC as a terrorist entity under the criminal code. And the widespread protest movement that broke out in Iran after the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini while in police custody is unique and unprecedented in many ways. But as Negar Moshtahedi reports, it has one thing in common with many other movements, social media playing a major role. A song that has become the unofficial anthem of one of the biggest uprisings Iran has seen in decades. The artist Shervin Hajipur spent days behind bars after his song Baraye, meaning because of in English, got hundreds of millions of retweets. His lyrics, based on tweets by Iranians of their grievances against the regime, each sentence starting with because of. Shervin's song really, really moved me. This is kind of actually unique, you know, because what we see is a, is a way of sharing the grievances of a large population by using the power of internet and the, the tools that the internet provides. Siavash Rokhni, an expert on Iranian pop culture and social media, says Hajipur's song is one of the greatest examples on how Iranians are using social media to mobilize their voices and to catalog what is happening inside their country. Immediately we see this, you know, uh, citizen journalism that's happening in Iran that is very informed by what the, what the reporters need to know. Among several tragic cases is Nika Shah Karami, a teenager who joined protests on September 20th. According to the Oslo-based group Iran Human Rights, she was killed, the regime vehemently denying that. Her story would be untold had it not been for the sharing of information online. When thousands, millions of people get out, you can stop them slowly and you can suppress them temporarily, but that doesn't stop them from continuing to share and circulate. Also emerging from the tragedy, art in the form of resistance. Graphic designers from around the world drawing attention to the cause through a form of protest art. But Rokhni warns that social media has a short attention span and persistence is key to keeping the movement alive. Negar Moshtahedi, Global News. Just ahead, a former board chair of Hockey Canada speaks out. It's quite apparent that there's been no accountability. What Frank Lento says the organization must do to restore credibility.
And crews rushed to stop a suspicious fire near Sassamat Lake. Good evening and good news. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge with just some leftover delays eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Pressure is growing on Hockey Canada to overhaul the organization ever since the national body became embroiled in a scandal over its handling of sexual assault allegations. So far, BC Hockey says it's monitoring the situation. But as Paul Johnson reports, that's not good enough for a member of BC's Hockey Hall of Fame. And if there's heads that should be ruled in management for giving wrong decisions, then those heads should roll. You'd struggle to find a more blunt and informed perspective about the situation in Hockey Canada than the opinion of Fernie's Frank Lento. His experience includes decades of building the sport in BC, and critically, his years as chair of Hockey Canada. The unfolding scandal has hit him deeply and personally. I spent years with uh, numerous individuals uh, building this association so that there was going to be some good for, the, uh, for our youth in this, in this great country of ours. And uh, they've destroyed it here uh, with this incident. Canadians don't know and may never know the truth of who did what to whom. Criminal charges were never brought and no jury ever rendered a verdict. But whatever happened was apparently enough to compel Hockey Canada to pay out millions to the accusers and demand non-disclosure agreements from some of them. They had us uh, drop the pocket. Lento says they're acting less like a group dedicated to promoting youth sport and more like a for-profit corporation protecting itself. The chairman of the board and the entire board of directors should resign. And where the provincial affiliates of Hockey Canada in other provinces have reacted strongly, Lento says BC Hockey's response has been inadequate. They didn't respond to Global News in time for this report, and a statement on their website indicates their position currently is to monitor the situation. There's no leadership shown whatsoever by BC Hockey at this point in time. I remember going over to Nagano. Lento says BC Hockey ought to be calling for the resignation of the Hockey Canada Board of Directors. I've been grieving here ever since uh, this first broke the news. And, you know, my heart goes out to the young lady and her family. I'm so sorry. I can't express my, uh, my emotions enough. Paul Johnson, Global News. The federal government will temporarily lift the work limit for international students. The 20-hour-a-week limit will be lifted until the end of 2023, giving international students the chance to work more hours while they study in Canada. The change was made in response to Canada's labor shortages to hopefully give a boost to sectors that need it. Canada's immigration minister says lifting restrictions will help employers with staffing shortages ahead of the holidays. A pilot program was also announced to automate the application process for extending study permits. International students make extraordinary uh, social, economic and cultural contributions to our country. Uh, they contribute uh, billions of dollars to the Canadian economy, fill, uh, fill key gaps in the labour shortage 
Uh, and in my view, we need to continue to do more to promote the international student program. TransLink is planning to replace all five escalators at Burrard SkyTrain Station. The work will officially start October 17th with completion expected by spring of 2024. The escalators date back to the days of the, fir uh, the first days, I should say, of the Expo line and have been operating for more than 35 years. Burrard Station will continue to operate normally throughout construction with partial escalator access still available. The cost of the project is $14 million. Well, supplies might slowly be increasing, but Health Canada says you should still expect a shortage of children's medicine. Kids acetaminophen and ibuprofen products, mostly the liquid kind, have seen depleting stock the last few months. Health Canada says they've been in contact with manufacturers to discuss how to expand supply and add shortage mitigation measures. While companies are working to get more product out, children's, hospital, uh, children's hospitals will be prioritized first, meaning retail stocks will take some time to replenish. The government has issued a public advisory offering parents and caregivers advice on alternatives during the supply strain. Coming up, twin tunneling machines ready to rock. An important milestone in the construction of the Broadway subway line and why they're affectionately called Phyllis and Elsie. Also coming up in sports, the Major League Playoff Series that splits loyalties in BC. Blue Jays versus Mariners. Highlights coming up with Squire. Port Moody police investigators are looking for a woman who left the scene of a wildfire at Sassamat Lake yesterday evening. Port Moody Fire Rescue responded to the blaze at White Pine Beach behind the concession stand at around 7 p.m. Fortunately, the flames were put out quickly and the fire didn't spread beyond a 20 by 20 meter footprint. A woman was seen leaving the area at the time and police want to speak to her and anyone who may have witnessed anything suspicious at Sassamat Thursday night. And fire crews in Port Alberni have had their hands full lately, dealing with the tinder dry conditions there over the past 24 hours. This morning, fire crews responded to a small brush fire west of 3rd Avenue. That's one of the city's main north-south connectors. Yesterday evening, they responded to a fire in Roger Creek Park, and in both cases, they were able to bring the flames under control quickly before they could threaten any nearby structures. But still scary. October 7th, and we're still uh, watching the situation mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the wildfire season. Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at that forecast going forward. Uh, Christy? I mean, it's so it's so tough to like on one hand, this is amazing going into a long weekend in the partway through October with sunshine and highs of low 20s is sensational. But yeah, really important to remember um, when you're outdoors at all right now, it is so dry. You really, really have to think twice with it, whatever it is that you're doing. Fireworks as we head into Halloween. That's another one to think about. All right. So today we had record breaking temperatures again. We've had record breaking temperatures every day this October. October except October 4th and it was still very warm October 4th but Chilliwack was a hot spot across Canada 28 degrees Port Alberni breaking a record at 27.7 I'm expecting by the time we tally these numbers we'll likely see about 20. The drought is insane really across the south coast and even in through the Okanagan Valley remember you're at a level four adverse effects are likely in the Okanagan and for the south coast are expected. Now we are concerned for a couple reasons we have a little bit of rain in the 
forecast. The concern is not the rain. We want the rain, but it's not going to be enough. And it comes with some gusty winds. Now, the trees are stressed right now, and that wind could cause some problems. So get ready for some power outages. Now, this is a little preemptive to be talking about power outages, but just a heads up. Quick look at the fog advisory there, but just a heads up because as soon as the floodgates open for fall, because the vegetation, especially the trees, are so stressed right now, I'm definitely concerned about that sudden switch to fall and we all of a sudden get power outages. So just get yourself ready at home. All right. In the meantime, enjoy the first couple of days of your long weekend. We are expecting a few showers on Monday. It is going to be cooler, not enough rainfall to impact our drought, and it does come with gusty conditions. Heads up on that. And then we're back to sunshine once again. This drought really is expected to continue. Tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Slocan Lake. Thank you to Wayne Grutage for that one. Nice shot of the blue sky. Mm, beautiful spot. Thanks very much, Christy. A milestone today for a Vancouver mega project. Two giant boring machines weighing about a million kilograms each have begun to tunnel the excavation on the Broadway subway line. They'll dig their way from the Great Northern Way Emily Carr Station five kilometers to Cypress Street near the future Arbutus Station. And their job is expected to take about a year. The two boring machines have been named after two historically significant women with B.C. roots. Phyllis Munday, who is a mountaineering pioneer, and Elsie McGill, who is an aeronautical engineer. Amazing women. And boring machines. Yeah. <laughs> now, too. Incredible technology. Yeah. Uh, all right. Some, some of our family dinners back in the day, a couple of my aunts were boring machines, too. Wow. <laughs> but um bum Thanks for but I want to tell you, I know. Enjoy the buffet. <laughs> uh, okay, the uh, Canucks final exhibition game is tonight against Arizona. You know, we're going to have pretty much a full, full team going. Uh, we want to have our habits down, um, get our feet moving, and try to, you know, it's going to feel like a real game for us. The Canucks have four players hurt right now, so this game will be the last audition for possible replacements. Also tonight, a chance to be thankful for satellite debris. Well, we're getting closer to the hockey season. The real I'm thing. Excited, the real thing. Actually, it started today over oh. in Prague. I guess of you're course. right. Yeah, yeah. But the Canucks, uh, they'll wait a little while longer. But they will no longer be X-Men after tonight's game against Arizona. This will be the final exhibition game. It's at Rogers Arena. The Canucks regular season will start next Wednesday in Edmonton. Actually, Vancouver starts the season on a five-game road trip. Their first home game isn't until October 22nd against Buffalo. And even though tonight's game doesn't count, the Canucks do not want to be sleepwalking through this one. For one thing, the coaches want everybody engaged because they have to figure out who will replace the injured players? And they have a few right now. Barry DeLay will tell us about it because he was at practice this morning. Barry? With the Canucks season opener just five days away, all of a sudden injuries are becoming a major story. With the news today that Tyler Myers is going to be out two to four weeks with a lower body injury. That makes four regulars right now that are out. Defenseman Travis Dermott is also out for the foreseeable future. And of course, Ilya Mikheyev and Brock Besser were injured a couple of weeks ago. Both of those guys expected, though, to start practicing with the team early next week and will go on the road trip and perhaps play sometimes on that five-game trip. But for the rest of the guys, it's play that final preseason game tonight and get ready for that opener Wednesday in Edmonton. If there's 
parts of our game, which there are, that we need to get better. We need to get it better tonight. And uh, it's the last dress rehearsal, so let's, uh, let's do what we can to keep moving the trajectory forward, upward. There's been a lot of talk about our preseason and our training camp, and I think last game you know, was a step in the right direction. Um, we still have you know, some things to clean up terms of you know moving the puck out of our own end and you know clean up some things defensively but I thought last game was a good effort against uh, you know a much uh, much better team and tonight we just want to continue to build on that yeah it's a last uh, you know practice game if you will to get ready but we're certainly not trying to treat it like that you know we're gonna have pretty much a full full team going uh, we want to have our habits down um, get our feet moving and try to you know it's gonna feel like a real game for us so that's uh, it's really important and for me just try to get back to playing my game and moving my feet and um, we'll be feel, feel a little bit more comfortable as the preseason's gone on. So I'm excited to get back and play another game. Bruce Boudreaux pretty much going with what would be his regulars in this final tune-up with the one exception, certainly defenseman Quinn Hughes will not play because as the coach said, he already knows what Quinn Hughes can do. At Rogers Arena, Barry Delay, Global Sports. This was the regular season opener in Prague at the O2 Arena there. Thomas Hurdle who's from Czechia, he scored. People went nuts over that, but it was Nino Niederreiter and the boys in the Colonel Mustard jerseys from Nashville winning 4-1. They'll play again tomorrow. Well, game one. Alec Manoa, the former Vancouver Canadian, starting game one for the Blue Jays against the Mariners. He was 16-7 in the regular season, but he got roughed up in the first inning. Eugenio Suarez is double to right, will score Julio Rodriguez. That makes it 1-0 for the M's. And Cal Raleigh's 2-1 homer here makes it 3-0 in the first. And the problem for the Blue Jays, despite all their great hitters, they ran into a great pitcher today in Luis Castillo. who went seven and a third shutout innings, striking out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. there. Blue Jays could not get anybody across home plate. They lose this game by the score of 4 nothing. Remember, it's only a best of three, so now they have to win two straight to save themselves, and game two is tomorrow, 1 o'clock hour time. Uh, Rays and Guardians, Shane Bieber. Eight strikeouts today against Tampa. Tampa was up one nothing when Jose Ramirez... With a man on, goes over the wall. That's a two-run homer, and that's the winning hit. This game was short. It only took two hours and 17 minutes to play. The Guardians lead the series 1-0. Cardinals and Phillies from St. Louis. St. Louis went up in this game, 2-0. But then the Phillies scored six in the top of the ninth. Gene Segura, a lot of weird things started happening to the Cardinals when it looked like they had the game in the bag, and they lose this thing 6-3 at home. BC Lions are in Toronto tomorrow for a 1 o'clock start our time. It'll be Vernon Adams' fourth straight start as BC's quarterback. He looked better last week, although it was against Ottawa, but he did have two touchdown passes. He also ran for 38 yards, and that's uh, something you need in the CFL, a quarterback who can throw and run. If it happens, it happens. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
but I do. My dad's on me every week. You need to use your feet. You need to use your feet. You need to get first downs with your feet. So um, I got him in the back of my head, and uh, I'm uh, just doing anything I can to help this team win. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting real comfortable. Like I said, the reps, the reps. Um, starting a few games in a row now. Um, feels good. So um, just keep learning and, and keep working. And, of course, the Whitecaps Sunday. Win and you're in against mm. Minnesota. There you go. A lot of people hoping that happens. All right. Thanks, Squire. Satellite Debris up next. Stick around. Jordan Armstrong is working tonight, standing by with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11. Jordan. Chris, Coquitlam RCMP are looking for a suspect in connection with an arson that sent two people to hospital. Officers and firefighters were called to a home near Durant Drive in Johnson Street in Coquitlam just after 6.30 this morning. A concerned neighbor had called 911 after noticing the home was on fire. Tonight, investigators are looking for this man, 57-year-old Jingming Han, who may be driving in one of two vehicles, either a 2003 blue Mercedes or a 2007 white Chevy Express van. At 11, what police are saying about the relationship of the suspect and victims. Chris. All right. Thanks very much for that, Jordan. All right. You made it through the week, and you get satellite debris as your reward. We all do. We all share We all this. do. Right. Well, that's, that's very nice. We're thankful for it. Well, it's almost Thanksgiving. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, cops and robbers and Carlton Draft, an old favorite. Here we go. <laughs> Full cop drops, thanks, Car chase cliche was in that. <laughs> That's true. All it was missing was the fruit stand. That's There's always a car going a through the fruit stand. Okay. Uh, I don't know why I like this commercial, but maybe I just like people and dogs all nodding for a half a minute.
<laughs> I don't know why. I find that very therapeutic. How did they get the dogs to do that? I don't know. Well, they're very well trained. <laughs> and apparently very well paid. Uh, okay, last but not least, uh, Geico and Pinocchio. <sighs> 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know Pinocchio was a bad motivational speaker? I look around this room and I see nothing but untapped potential. You have potential. You have... Oh, boy. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. <laughs> That's the tell. I like that one too, yeah. That was the tell. So yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, all right, Thanksgiving weekend, beautiful sunset in behind Christy, and uh, yeah, more warm weather ahead. Yeah, we just keep on going. I mean, Monday we are expecting a few showers. It's not going to be enough to really uh, cure our drought scenario, and it comes with gusty winds. Heads up on that. Just get ready for some power outages because before too long, we are going to be into fall weather, that's for sure, mm -hmm. right? You know it. It's coming. <laughs> that's a very nice sunset Ooh. behind you. It is. Wow. It's beautiful. Mm. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a good night, all.